Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about stress. Let's talk about stress, but more importantly, we're going to talk about resilience. We're going to talk about resilience is that thing like springs on your feet. It's that thing that helps us bounce back from stress because we all know that our goal in life is not to avoid stress or to never have stress. That's just not possible. But what we can do is we can build resilient strategies that make us more resistant to stress so that we can come out on the other side and feel stronger and healthier. So today I have a very special guest. Her name is Marissa Brooks. She is a PharmD and she also has completed her CWC, the Certified Wellness Coaching Certification through NASM. And she's going to come on and we're going to discuss all the ways that all of us can learn to be more resilient, all the ways that we can bounce back so that we build kind of this buffer between us and stress. All right. So Marissa, I'm going to bring you on and have you introduce yourself. How are you? Hi, everyone. Good. How are you? Good. Well, I'm so happy to be here today um, as a wellness coach and as a wellness pharmacist. It's a really unique position that I get to really play in healthcare and um, bettering people and their wellness journey as well, as well as their medications and that type of thing. And I'm so excited to be here and talk to you about stress management. All right. So cool. And you know, Marissa, that's what fascinates me. I'm glad that you mentioned being a pharmacist because I understand that you might be one of the first wellness pharmacists in the, in the United States. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. This is a very new field to pharmacy as well as a new position here um, in my hospital system. So it's a really exciting to really pioneer wellness in this space and seeing how that can really affect um, patients and their outcomes, as well as our other clients that we reach. Uh, you know what? I think that's amazing, Marissa, because, you know, I always tell the story that I started out in education, then I moved into counseling, and then I, I moved into fitness, and I started to bridge fitness and mental health and academia. And a lot of times people didn't necessarily see that connection, that bridge between mental health and physical well-being. And it seems like it really came into the forefront during the pandemic, and everybody's like, yes, you need a strong mind and a strong body. And now I feel like the world of pharmacy and the world of medicine is like, yes, we're all getting on board. And there's these two sides of the bridge where fitness was always on one side and mental health and medicine was on the other. And now we're meeting in the middle and we're going to get people strong inside and out, which has been what I've said for 30 years. So I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, this is really great. I'm happy to see the world's really colliding and working together on these in the space. Yeah, me too. And I think you've got just such a great background. I think you work for Baptist Health. Is that yes. correct? Yes. That's all right. Mm -hmm. So you guys brought in a grant. You were telling me all about this grant where you brought in a grant to teach pharmacists all about wellness. So you not only went through the CWC for NASM, you also completed this big program for pharmacists to teach mm -hmm. pharmacists about how to build a strong mind and a strong body right? Yeah, I had the opportunity. So I was an executive fellow with the American Society of Health System Pharmacists last year. And we had the opportunity to apply for a grant through the Department of Health and Human Services. And in this, we were awarded about $3 million, where we created a well-being ambassador program for pharmacists, pharmacy students, and pharmacy technicians, where they can learn about 
well-being and resilience and they get a certification at the end of the program where they're certified and they can be their own not only their personal like wellness champion but a champion for their community and really helping with preventing burnout and providing strategies and tools to uh, like stress management and well-being and it's a really great program. I'm really excited to see everyone who's going through it. There's a really nice community of people and they engage on a regular basis. So it's been a really great program so far. Wow. Three. Did you just say, did you say 3 million? Wow. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and I love that you called it well-being ambassadors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Marissa, when you and I got on the phone and we were talking and I was lamenting that, you know, three decades ago, no one understood this connection. And now it's such a part of everyday conversation that we need to be healthy physically and emotionally and mentally. And, and I love it because I feel like your generation is coming up and saying, well, of course, that makes sense to us. And so of course it's going to be more in the mainstream. And I'm looking at people like you thinking, wow, how cool that you're going to pave the way. So, well, let's, let's get into the meat of the material here. Let's talk about, you've been through both of these programs, this whole grant program. You are a well-being ambassador is what I'm hearing. So mm -hmm. as a well-being ambassador, how do we talk to fitness professionals, chiropractors, physical therapists, anybody who's out there listening, who's helping people build a strong body, how do we help them to build resilient strategies to mitigate stress? And I kind of want to take this one little strategy at a time and then let's kind of milk it. And uh, let's let's talk about how maybe we've applied it in, in our own lives. But what's one of your favorite resilience strategies that helps you um, say to stress, okay, stress, I see you. I understand you. I know you're a part of my life, but you're not going to take me down. What's one of the things that you use? Yeah, I would say a big one for me is mindfulness. So first being able to identify, okay, I'm feeling very stressed. What is that trigger that I, that is triggering this onset of these feelings? And then thinking, okay, how can I reframe my mindset to deal with this better? Because stress isn't always like the situation around you, but more on how you react to the situation. And so I try to really frame my thoughts and understand how am I feeling in this current state and how can I kind of reframe this thought? So one of the examples in the well-being ambassador program, they kind of walk you through this scenario. Okay. So if you're thinking all of your work has to be perfect and you're going to skip lunch because you want it to be perfect and spend all this extra time at the end of the day, you're going to be exhausted and tired and overwhelmed and then anxious because you're going to do the same whole process the next day. So reframing those thoughts and thinking, okay, I'm, I know that I always do my best, so I'm going to do my best work that I can. And then I'm actually going to take my lunch today, take the time for myself to ensure that I'm taking care of myself, giving myself the nutrients I need and the energy I need to get through the rest of the day. And then when you're coming out of work, you're going to feel accomplished. It's a win-win situation for you. You feel a little less stressed. You feel accomplished that you got your work done and you know you did a good job because you always do and you put your best foot forward. So really being able to identify those thoughts that you're thinking that you could really work on, reframing that mindset and then going forward. And then, you know, it's kind of like a like a like a rolling ball down the hill. Like as you start to make those changes, it really starts to progress in other areas of your life. And those those behavior changes become a little bit easier for you. 
Yeah, that, that makes complete sense to me because I think really what you're saying about mindfulness is the first part of mindfulness is I have to know what triggers me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that takes personal insight. And it's not even so much as knowing like what triggers me. I think sometimes people put what triggers me into like this, oh, my boss triggers me or my spouse triggers me. But I, I always tell my clients, I want you to get a little deeper than that not just my boss triggers me or my my client triggers me or my spouse triggers me what actually happened what took place what was said what actually was the trigger it's not a person or a full encapsulated situation there's something within that situation that triggers you and then to your point then the next step is what are the feelings associated with that and people are like, and, and it seems so primitive, but literally there's feelings wheels out there for adults for a reason. It's because people don't always understand. Am I mad? Am I frustrated? Am I scared? It, what is the emotion? It's not just what about your spouse or your client just triggered you, but what emotion is coming up? And again, there's a lot of different emotions. And so what is it? Is it fear? Is it anger? And then I heard you say, once you've got all that, you reframe it. Okay. I know that I feel triggered because, um, you know, my spouse has this ex, whatever is going on. And this situation is triggering me. I'm feeling scared. So to your point, then you said, okay, now I know what's triggering me, but I know that I have to kind of take a step back, absorb that, and then have a little self-compassion and say, I can still manage my everyday life and schedule. And I can kind of come back to this when I'm feeling stronger and healthier. Is that a good, re is that a good way of putting that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think another part of that is also self-care and how you treat yourself. Um, being aware of what your body needs can really help with identifying the coping mechanisms and the things that you need to do for yourself to make it a more positive experience for you. Yeah, I like that. Because I think what it really boils down to is this situation is what it is. But me skipping lunch or me belaboring it in my mind and ruminating is not going to change it. But if I step away from it and still take good care of myself and do all the things that I need to do for self-care, I'm going to look at it through a more a, a different lens, a healthier lens. Right. So I like that. All right. So Marissa, before we move on, I just want to reintroduce you. My name is Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And I'm talking to Marissa Brooks. She's a PharmD and she's also an NASM certified wellness coach. And the, the thing that's beautiful about this is Marissa is basically talking about how we're bridging medicine and and wellness. Right. We're bringing wellness into the medicine space so that pharmacists can view um, a total body from the inside out, just like we as fitness pros can. We're not just working with our clients to get them physically healthy. We're working with them to get them emotionally and mentally healthy. Exactly. So I like the mindfulness one. What's another, um, what's another strategy that, that really stayed with you through your programs? Yeah, I would say determining like what are some healthy coping skills. So for me, I'm someone who loves sweets. I love a good like late night snack, like ice cream or something like that. But sometimes you really have to identify, okay, like what's the best thing you can do to really help yourself, you know, de-stress or handle a situation, um, not always to go, you know, running to food or something else. So if you're someone who is active, maybe you need to go on a walk, like that can really help 
clear your mind. Um, I also really like social media. So sometimes when I take my breaks, I'm, you know, scrolling on my phone, but that's not necessarily a break. Your mind is still very activated. You're seeing all these different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe putting the phone down, avoiding that, going on a walk, um, doing exercise, maybe reading a book, picking up a pen, doing some journaling, something that kind of helps you get your mind off of the things that are stressing you out or making you anxious, but something that can be replaced with a better, healthier behavior. And you have to be proactive about those things. So like you might be like, oh, I really want to go get some ice cream or do something that, you know, makes you feel better. But saying instead of doing this, I'm going to take that time that I would normally go do this one thing and replace it with something else. And so, Mm -hmm. again, I think it kind of goes back to that mindful, you know, that mindset change, um, but really making a proactive choice to work on the things that you need to work on in a more healthier way. Mm-hmm. I like that one a lot because, you know, I, I have a funny, so when I stack my pantry, I stack it like grocery shelf. My husband used to back into his early days of his career, he used to do store sets. Uh-huh. And so he, he told me, you know, of course it's the eye level stuff that everybody is, is honing in on. So yeah. when I do my pantry, I hide all his junk food. Notice how I said his, cause I'm not going to take any accountability for having any junk food. Not here, not now. All right. So I'm going to misplace the blame. No. So I stack like his chips way up high as if I can't get a stool. But uh, my point is at eye level, I want things that are healthy so that if I'm having a moment or a mood and I know I want to grab something and I know that's not my best recourse, it's not smack dab in front of my face. When I open that pantry or that refrigerator, I have some birthday cake in my refrigerator right now because my birthday's coming up that thing is way up high and in the back because if I look at it every time I open it I'm eating a piece of cake about every five minutes so um but I like that healthy coping strategies and kind of know what works for you and if you know mindless eating isn't working then maybe more mind full eating by stacking your pantry and your fridge the way that is best or taking a walk, doing these things that get you out of this negative space, Mm -hmm. but kind of having, I think what you're saying is know what those coping skills are so that you have a go-to list, right? right? Exactly. Uh, Phone a friend if you need to, because if you're talking on the phone, chances are you're not eating. (laughs) <laughs> or, or, you know, people who smoke or whatever it might be, it, it, whatever can kind of pull you away from that behavior that might be getting in your way. So I like that. So again, I'm talking to Marissa Brooks. I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. We are talking about building resilience to stress. Really what we're saying is how do we build a buffer like cartilage, you know, how do we build a buffer between you and stress? And uh, I wrote an article about this years ago in American Fitness Magazine on anxiety and stress and building resilience to mitigate all of these things. So, um, so Marissa, you've said mindfulness, which involved reframing, and you've also said hope, healthy coping skills. Mm -hmm. What's another thing that you share with your, um, what do you, as a pharmacist, what do you call, are they patients? Are they clients? Are they, what are they? Yeah, usually patients. So something that I always try to ask them is, you know, how, what's your relationship with sleep, with food, with exercise, just kind of get a good sense of like where they're at right now. And if they're like meeting their goals. And if they're not meeting those goals, like what's getting in the way of those things? 
Um, sometimes when you're feeling, you know, stressed out at work or in your life, there's these little parts of your day to day that you can make simple changes to. And, you know, maybe just getting a better night's sleep is all that you need to really be able to function a little bit better, understand like how you're feeling and you're not so quick to react to things um, in a negative way. So I try to really look at it in a more, you know, like whole body minds type of uh, frame and seeing where are you physically and mentally and how are you doing and where can we make those little changes to really help you um, entirely with how you're focusing and how, how you're doing on a daily basis. Okay. You know, I have to tell you, I'm hanging on that whole line and I've used it so many times, but then sometimes, you know, something's in your toolbox, you let it go for a hot minute. And I heard you say, what is your relationship with? What a great way for every trainer, every physical therapist, every chiropractor, every instructor out there to say, what is your relationship with? Instead of saying, how much do you sleep at night? Because automatically someone like me, who's a terrible sleeper, I'm like, oh, I don't want to admit this. Please don't hold me accountable for this. Um, or, you know, if they say, you know, what what's your nutritional intake look like? I'm like, oh, please don't. But if they say, what is your relationship? I can say, well, you know what? I have a pretty healthy relationship with food. I like it. And, um, and, uh, but I'm not sure I have a healthy relationship with sleep. And then that makes it feel like it's okay because there are certain things we have a healthier relationship with and it gives trainers and it gives you as a pharmacist insight into where people are getting caught up in mm -hmm. their wellness journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the same thing with um, medications and things like that. Like, you know, if you have a medication you're supposed to take every day, or maybe it's something you take once a week, um, ask them, how is that going? It, are, are you finding a struggle in remembering to take your medication and what's holding you back? What are some things that we can really look at that will help you with being consistent? I think a lot of things in life can be solved with consistency, whether that's working out, um, eating well, taking your medication, et cetera, you know, you have to really look at those barriers and identify like what's, what's holding you back. Is it something, you know, situational, personal, whatever, we got to look at that and then go from there. Mm. You know, I feel like you and I are old friends, old souls, Marissa, and it turns out we kind of just met, but that consistency word, I use that word a lot because to me, consistency is synonymous with safety. If somebody is consistent in their behaviors and actions, they feel safe to me. Mm -hmm. If I am consistent in my nutritional um, goals, I'm safe for myself. If I'm consistent with my sleep, I feel better. All of those to me, consistency is, is synonymous with safety. And um, how do we feel safe in mind and body? We're consistent with the way that we treat ourselves. If we're consistently engaging in negative internal dialogue, we're consistently feeling absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how safe are we to ourselves? So um, that's such a great word, consistency, because I, I sure love consistent people. <laughs> and I, I try to be consistent because I sure do love when I can count on somebody. So, um, all right. So Marissa, we've got this, you know, we've talked about mindfulness. We've talked about healthy coping skills. Um, give me, an, give me, and then you said a relationship. What's your relationship? So I hope every trainer out there today goes to their clients and is like, what's your relationship with, and then they give them a question. What's a, what's another thing that you talk about with your patients when it comes to resilience? Yeah, that's great. Another thing I try to look at is, um, 
what is like in their surroundings. A lot of times you look at, um, I guess there's a thing where you think about, okay, your relationship with the people around you, how that can affect you, whether it's personal or professional. Um, so we talked a little bit about barriers and that type of thing. Um, but how are you feeling socially in that, in like, I guess in a support situation? So um, some people don't think of social as part of their wellness, but, you know, a lot of times when you're feeling stressed out or, you know, really anxious about something, you might kind of retreat from your normal activities. So I really try to talk to my patients and saying, hey, like, are you, um, you know, speaking with your family members? Are, how are you feeling at work? Are you having a strong relationship with your coworkers and things like that? Because having that social support really can help you feel better as a person and no matter what your health goals are, um, especially when you have like goals that you're really trying to make those behavior changes, those people around you can be, they can hold you accountable and that can be really helpful um, to implement those changes. So I try to ask them a little bit, what's their social life like? And, uh, you know, do they feel supported? Right. Because think about it, even like when people come out of addiction, like they often have to change their whole entire social support system for that reason, because people can either be the wind beneath our wings, if you will, they can either be the best advocate for us in behavior change, or they can quite frankly be the biggest obstacle. Mm -hmm. And so I've always said that, you know, I choose friends who I feel like are way smarter than me um, because I strive to want to be, uh, to hold myself, you know, to the, that type of standard. And so I do, I think that makes a huge difference is what are your surroundings? Um, do you have good relationships? Do you have a good support system? Um, and do, does that support system, do they prove to be an obstacle or do they prove to be somebody who kind of gives you that extra push? So mm -hmm. that's why I think sometimes when people set goals, it's almost behooves them to set a goal as a family, like not just I'm going to eat healthier, but I'm going to help my whole family eat healthier because if everyone's on board, so much easier. Nobody's out there buying a bunch of chips then, right? So, um, so Marissa, I want to reintroduce you. Um, so this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm Angie Miller. Thank you so much for joining us. We're talking about building resilience to stress. I'm talking to Marissa Brooks. She is a PharmD and she's also an NASM certified wellness coach. And we have talked about all these different strategies that build resilience. We've talked about mindfulness and how to reframe our thoughts. We've talked about healthy coping skills and asking a simple question like, what's your relationship with food or what's your relationship with sleep? And then we've just last talked about our surroundings. You know, who's who's in our space? Who are we sharing time with every single day? And I don't know about you, Marissa, but I think one of the hardest ones is when people are at a job eight or 10 hours a day and they don't have a cohesive team. Mm -hmm. And so my suggestion to them is always then the team that you build outside of work is going to become even more important to you, right? Because Absolutely. you can't change the coworkers and you can't change who people are, but you can build a stronger community when you're not at work. So that's kind of your way of building that resilience so that when you do go to work, you have some, some tools, some sustenance, you put gas in your tank again, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, you had mentioned to me kind of cultivating a community. And is that kind of what you're talking about too with surroundings? Like build a community of your people as much as you can. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it can really um, make a difference in how, you know, happy you feel or how excited you are to go to work if you have a really um, good relationship with the people you work closely with. And sometimes you don't, and that's okay. Some people, you know, they go straight to work, they do what they need to do, they work their hours and they go home. And like you said, that relationship they have with the people at home and their support system, that can really make a big difference. And that is also one of the things that keeps people going when they do feel stressed out or overwhelmed at work is because they remember their why. Why are they doing what they do? Um, Hopefully Mm -hmm. it's, you know, because they love it or they feel some kind of purpose, or maybe they're really motivated by their family members or, you know, a personal goal that they have for themselves in their own personal life. So that's why I think that social interaction, that surroundings can really make a big difference for you and cultivating that, that team and that spirit that you feel when you're, you know, together. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that makes it even more powerful that, um, your hospital in particular is doing this whole wellness program because basically they're getting all pharmacists on board. Mm -hmm. And basically what they're saying is your team is only as healthy as each individual. Which is what my old band teacher used to say, by the way, Mr. Bosco used to say, we're only as good as our worst player. So I do think that that's such a, you know, Mr. Bosco way back when I still remember that, but that's the thing is that you are, I mean, we are as a team collectively our weakest link and our strongest player, but we, you know, if, if we want a full team at full capacity, it's best that we're all on the same page. So, mm-hmm. um, so Marissa, is there any other strategy you'd want to share that you think would be really helpful for trainers, instructors? Yeah, I would say another one, we kind of mentioned it a little bit before is talking about movement. Um, I feel like as people who I work with a lot of people who have, you know, full-time jobs and they feel like they don't have time to work out or something like that. So finding a way that they can incorporate movement into their daily life will really help them with, you know, finding um, areas where they can find stress relief and where they can move their body and they just feel a little bit better. Um, You know, a lot of science around movement and how that can really play a role in reducing stress and it's good for you, your cardiac health and all sorts of things. And I always try to incorporate some kind of movement question in there. If you're able to go on a walk or, you know, just making sure you're getting up. If you sit down all day, like stand up and just like walk around your room if you can. Um, Doing something like that is really helpful to really get your brain going a little bit, to get the blood flowing, to make you feel a little bit more confident, um, less stressed. So I always try to incorporate some movement in there. It might not be everyone's favorite topic, but it's definitely something that is important and definitely a component that I try to incorporate. Yeah, and I think the word movement is important. And I know that trainers and instructors are like, well, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. But what about the hours that our clients aren't with us? Just reminding them that a five minute walk at lunch can go a long way. Reminding them that a little bit of vitamin D for you know a 10 minute walk around the block, whatever it might be, makes a huge difference. It doesn't have to be traditional exercise in the gym or with our trainer. So, um, so you know, Marissa, one one other thing that I kind of wanted to maybe touch on is you had kind of mentioned it earlier was self-care and that part of resilience is figuring out what self-care looks like for everybody. And, and some of me, part of me was like, do we want to go there? Because self-care is like, Oh, it's everywhere, you know, self-care, self-care. But you know, if it weren't so overused, um, it's got a lot of value and merit, doesn't it? it does. um, and so what, 
what stood out to you in your program about self-care? Is there any golden nugget you could kind of share about that? Yeah. Um, so I think with when it comes to self-care, like you said, it looks different to everyone. You have to really think what is important to you if you're trying to work on the physical component or maybe you're trying to work on the social component. Um, lots of people who are pharmacists, they go through many years of school and they kind of put their social life on the background. That's why I was talking about how important it is to have those social interactions. And so if you know, social or physical or whatever component it is that's important to you, you need to make some real goals and you have to define them. Um, there's like the SMART goal method where you have to figure out, um, you set those SMART goals so it's specific and it's timely, it's measurable, and you can make that action on it. And that'll really help you with creating a self-care plan that works good for you and that will be easy to implement. And hopefully you do see changes from creating that self-care plan to, you know, implementing it and then how you feel afterwards. Right, right. So I think what you're saying is self-care is also tied to goals, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you most, how do you most want to feel? What, what in your life is kind of lacking? You know, if you have a big pie, is there a piece of your pie that kind of is, is not being fulfilled as much? And right. to your point, sometimes I think for a lot of us, social became a big uh, back burner thing, um, started during the pandemic and then we're working from home. So what can you do to kind of build that back up? So Marissa, I just want to kind of recap some of the stuff that we've talked about before we go. But again, you know, we've been talking about building resilience to stress. I'm Angie Miller and I've been talking with Marissa Brooks and she's a PharmD and she's also a certified wellness coach through NASM. And I know, Marissa, we started out by talking about mindfulness. And I know to a lot of people, they're like, gosh, I hear that word all the time, but what is it really? And I like that you said it's more than just mindfulness. It's knowing what triggers you. And then once you know what triggers you, knowing what feeling is associated with that. Are you triggered because you're mad? Are you triggered because you're scared? And then you said, and then reframing. Okay, this is where I'm at. And what can I do to kind of um, uh, mitigate those strong emotions in the moment? Did it get that right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then you went on and you talked about your relationship with sleep and nutrition. You talked about coping skills. You talked about support system. And we ended with self-care. Did I miss anything? No, I think you hit it all on the, the nail on the head. I think we talked about a lot of really great strategies that people can incorporate into their own day to day. And hopefully it's beneficial to them and as well as their patients or clients that they work with. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, to all of you who are listening, I have one question for you. What is your relationship with? And then you can fill in the blank. What is your relationship with sleep? What is your relationship with exercise? What is your relationship with your strongest community? Are they your biggest advocates or are they sometimes kind of holding you back? So, um, Marissa, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks to all of our NASM and APA listeners and to everyone else out there who is listening, who wants to feel strong and healthy from the inside out. I will see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.